Welcome to the U Calgary Faculty of Social Work podcast. I'm Zoltan Verratti. Today's guest is U Calgary Faculty of Social Work professor Dr. Petrina Dehaney, the lead researcher of a recent study entitled Experiences of Anti-Black Racism at the University of Calgary, which gathered data from nearly 200 survey respondents, as well as 36 one-on-one interviews with Black students, faculty, staff, and sessional instructors. The study revealed consistent themes of poor representation, lack of mentorship, and most troublingly, high rates of anti-Black racism on campus. The survey also examined how welcome Black respondents felt on campus, as well as their experiences of racism. We're thankful to have Dr. Dehaney join us today to provide further context, help us unpack the data, and talk about where we go from here. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, recently interviewed Professor Emeritus Dr. David Est, who was a co-researcher on this study that we're going to be discussing, and he spoke about how it's meaningless for an institution to declare a commitment to EDI with, without following such declarations with action, which is a point I've seen you've also made in the overview of this study. Is this research a means of creating action? When we talk about racism, right, and and Black people's experiences, people are always asking for, where is the evidence of that? And we come to recognize that that's problematic, okay? However, um, we provide the evidence to show that it's not a one-off experience, but large groups of people are having these experiences, And for us to be able to bring about um, change, we need to document um, these experiences, right? So it's like a catch-22 here that um, we should not have to prove that racism exists because it's been around for such a long time. However, for us to bring about change, um, people need to see the evidence for them to think that, hey, we need to do something about this. Um, And so I I certainly agree with um, Dr. Est um, that um, one of the things that we need to do, and especially within the context of um, the University of Calgary and within the context of um, Alberta, um, race-based data is so sparse, right? Um, uh, And what I mean by that is, for one, there are so many people who... Um, deny that racism exists, right? Um, And there um, are so many people, even when they see that evidence, they're like, "Eh, I'm not sure if this is enough. We we need more evidence. And so, um, you know, one of the reasons why it's so sparse in this area is, um, and the, the population has certainly changed significantly. So one of the reasons we need to focus so much more on it is that we have had such an influx of um, Black people um, in this province and um, compared to other countries, uh, other provinces in Canada, we have seen the largest growth um, on this side of um, the country. Um, So it's really important for us to know that we are not in a homogeneous society. We have people from um, diverse populations, and particularly 
um, a, a growing number of Black people who are moving to the area. So we really need to understand what their unique experiences are and how we can best support them. So maybe we could start then with you talking a bit, just a bit of an overview of the study, uh, kind of the five W's of the study, if you will, like when when it occurred and the parameters of who you spoke to, because I know it was alumni, staff, faculty, students, everyone involved in, in campus life. So maybe you can just give us a bit of background on, on the study itself. Yeah, so um, the study, um, uh, it's titled Experiences of Anti-Black Racism at the University of Calgary. Uh, however, we are looking generally um, at the experiences of students, alumni, staff, sessional instructors, and um, professors. And um, it was really important for us to look at um, these various populations because they have different experiences and they might have, although overlapping needs, um, there might be variations too in terms of um, the types of supports um, and experiences that they have. Uh, so initially, we um, we certainly promoted the study. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about the study. We promoted the study across campus, and um, we had the support of our communications team um, to also promote the study, uh, which was nice. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, I must say Zoltan, you, you would think that we would have support from all departments, um, but some of the tension I, I want to highlight here is that not all departments were supportive, right, to share the study with uh, faculty and students. And that goes to show you um, how racism is so ingrained within systems that even when we are asking or want to find out if, um, information about people's experiences, um, there's some gatekeeping, right? And preventing that information from um, surfacing. Um, so uh, in, initially, um, as, as you know, one of the reasons that um, we wanted to do this study was because of the limited um, research in this area. To my knowledge, although um, the university has certainly um, done some, as, as I might say, um, equity-related um, studies. Um, they have not done anything um, that looks explicitly at um, Black people's experiences. I know a student group actually did um, a study recently um, but that was on a smaller scale. So um, students certainly saw the need to have um, something um, that really spoke to um, Black people's experiences. Um, but this is a much larger study. So I want to kind of give um, that a little bit of attention there. Um, so uh, initially, there, there are quite a few people who actually responded to this study, but I'll, I'll tell you about the, the objectives, and I know I, I've shared um, that with you, um, but broadly, the objectives of the study was to, um, one, examine Black students, um, faculty, staff, sessional instructors, um, alumni's experiences uh, of discrimination and anti-Black racism. 
um, we also wanted to know. So based on those experiences, um, we wanted to um, really make some key recommendations um, to the university in order um, to um, inform policies, procedures, and practices at the University of Calgary, okay? Um, because there's such limited information, we also wanted to uh, uh, build on and expand um, scholarship uh, in this area as well. Um, and essentially, um, this would hopefully contribute to a larger study at some point. Okay, so that, that was the initial goal um, of the study. And then I, I can certainly um, break it down for you in terms of um, what that means in terms of results. So um, there was a survey component as well as a one-on-one interview. So participants were asked to complete um, the survey, which lasted for about, it's about 15 minutes uh, to complete um, the survey and um, it was anonymous. And so they had a link where they could click on, uh, where they could express their interest um, in participating in the one-on-one uh, -on -one interview. And so um, we reached out to everyone who expressed an interest um, in participating. And so in the end, um, we've interviewed uh, 36 people for the one-on-one -on -one interviews. And we have a combination of students, alumni, staff, faculty, sessional instructors. Um, within that group, certainly uh, students were overrepresented. We had a good number of students. Um, we had a decent number of staff, um, less numbers um, of faculty and sessional instructors. And we can go a little bit deeper in, in terms of what those numbers mean in a moment. Uh, for the survey results, we have nearly 200 um, people who um, responded um, to the survey. And um, in terms of some of, I'm just gonna look up some of the, the responses. And so generally for students, um, we were asking questions around, do you believe the university is a welcoming environment? Um, and, you know, I must say 64% agree that it's a welcoming environment. So that was nice to see that um, they were asked, do you feel supported? And 51% um, said that they felt supported. And then when we go into, um, do you feel that you have appropriate mentors? 34% um, of students um, said that they felt that they had appropriate mentors. However, 47% said that they did not have mentors. And we thought that was significant that in order for our students to be successful, you know, they need to have um, people that they can um, look up to and um, really get support from as well. Um, they, they were asked questions of, you know, in terms of your, your experience, your school and experience, um, do you see Black professors? And 16% um, said that they did not believe that uh, they, you know, there was a good representation of Black professors. However, over 68% said that no, there isn't a good representation of um, Black professors. And um, oh, one of the narratives from a respondent, um, they said, I only see white professors talking about bias, social inclusion, 
And when we have discussed in class, there are always racist comments that are not addressed, are avoided, or we are being told that it's not a place to talk about in class. And that, that's really um, significant um, when a student is saying that there isn't a space to talk about um, race and racism. And um, another student said, um, I have completed my undergrad, uh, graduate degree at UFC, and in the 10 plus years I have been here and over 70 courses taken, I have only been instructed by five professors of color. And that speaks volumes, right, in terms of who is represented in our classrooms, right? And so that's just to give you an idea of um, some of the um, responses from students. I'm going to pause there. You mentioned that you had less success getting faculty involved. Is that because, as some of the students brought up, there's a lack of black professors, or were the ones that are at U Calgary reluctant to participate? Yeah, so um, I think it's quite complex in terms of why Black professors um, were not participating um, as much in the study. So for one, um, when you look at the student population, Black professors, the numbers are so much smaller, a lot smaller, right? Um, so that's the first issue. Uh, the second issue is, and this has come out in some of the interviews as well, that it's like, I may share my experiences, but what does this really mean in the end? What will actually come of it if I were to speak up, right? And so some people might be reluctant to speak up because they just think that the dominant discourse will still remain and nothing will change, okay? So that's a second issue. Another issue could be, because they're such a small group, um, they might not really know to what extent um, they would be protected, right? And so they may have some fear around their jobs, you know, um, and what if my manager um, were to know that I shared something? Um, how would that impact my job? What would people think of me? Right. And I think there, there's a set, another set that they're just busy. They're so overwhelmed with what they're doing that um, they can't just attend to another study. And then, you know, another piece could be Zoltan that um, some instructors, the vicarious trauma of retelling, you know, um, and sharing their experiences, they become re-traumatized, right? Because um, having racial experience and racism on a daily basis or a frequent basis, um, it um, people experience a sense of, you know, they, they, it's traumatic. It's a tra traumatic experience for, um, for so many people. And so um, that retelling of the story is traumatic. Right. And so um, and there could be multiple other reasons, but to give you um, a few um, in terms of um, why people might be reluctant. But the ones who did share, they saw the importance of sharing their experiences um, in order to bring about change. And they had so many rich um, things to share as well. And you mentioned that uh, you had a bit more luck with staff. Uh, could you share a little bit about what staff? 
Yeah, and um, you know the the staff number was similar um, to you know the students, and I think um, it's it's really important um, to recognize that when we look at um, studies like this, um, staff um, is uh, tends to be underrepresented in the scholarship, right? And so when we look at um, experiences in high higher education, we look at the experiences of professors or the experiences of students. Um, but, you know, um, I think it's under research when we look at um, staff, staff experience. Um, but in general, um, it was mixed in, in terms of whether or not they felt that um, um, U of C was a welcoming environment. 53% agreed that it was welcoming versus 33% um, um, disagreed that it was welcoming. Um, uh, more staff in the survey felt uh, disagreed that they were valued at U of C, right? And so that was really significant that more staff, um, you know, uh, felt that um, they weren't valued. Um, and more staff, staff were more likely to say they do not feel supported at um, U of C. Um, and um, they were asked, uh, you know, Black staff are appropriately represented. Um, they do not believe that Black staff members are appropriately represented across the university. Um, but it was really interesting when we asked staff about um, the extent to which they witnessed um, anti-Black racism, and even if they experienced anti-Black racism, um, 67% witnessed anti-Black racism and 67% experienced anti-Black racism. And a lot of these people um, experienced it uh, more than once. And um, because of these experiences, um, a lot do not feel safe at work. A large number said they did not feel safe at work. And um, one of the narratives from a participant said, it's not socially acceptable to make others feel unsafe in my line of work. Do I feel safe about my job if I speak out about racism that I've experienced? No, I do not feel safe, which is why things like this will continue to perpetuate white supremacy and institutionalized racism because people are afraid of losing their jobs. How do I pay bills, live, eat, etc.? This is a very deep issue, and until people feel safe speaking out, it will continue. And Zoltan, I thought that was powerful. I'm like, oh my gosh. And that really captures and speaks to the complexities of talking about these issues, right? Because what is at stake if I talk about these issues? And that certainly is like an alarming number. Were, were you personally surprised by any of these results, or what was your, when you, what were your thoughts? You yeah, were... you know, we weren't sure what we were going to get, right, in terms of people's responses. Um, you know, overall, people feeling welcome, you know, yeah, that that overall, they, they felt welcome. But when you got a little bit deeper to for them to talk about what was happening, why um, that you know, made you feel welcomed. And then when they started thinking about certain things, it's something that would be standard in any workplace, right? But not necessarily 
feeling welcomed as a racialized or a black person, right? And so when they start to think deeply about it, they're like, huh, I, I guess, you know, um, some of the things I'm drawing from is maybe how um, my colleagues made me feel, but not necessarily how I felt within the institution. So they made that distinction, right? How they they felt with their colleagues, but how they felt within the spaces that they were um, navigating. You mentioned, of course, that from this study, you're going to come up with recommendations. Is that part of the process ongoing or where are you got, where are you at right now in terms of drafting the recommendations and when will they be ready to present? Yeah, so um, right now we are analyzing our data. Um, so the survey is pretty much finished um, and based on the numbers that we have, we're, we're fairly satisfied with the you know nearly 200 respondents. Um, we think that gives us a rich um, overview of their experiences. Uh, so we um, are going to analyze that, um, that data and perhaps share it in uh, bite-sized format. We, we, we're not sure how we might release it, but we'll certainly check with you, Zoltan, um, <laughs> on how we might do that. Um, and um, we will also be looking at our interviews, and those are so rich, right? Um, this is like um, 36 interviews to go through, and the interviews were an hour, an hour and a half in length. So you can imagine how much data we'll be um, going through to um, really be able to make those recommendations. Um, but our focus right now would be if we can, you know, even have an infographic um, so we can share with folks. Um, we would like to do that before the end of the year. Um, and in the new year, um, perhaps have um, journal articles um, where um, we can certainly share those published results as well. But for now, I think we might do infographics because those would be um, fairly straightforward and um, it'll be accessible to a large number of individuals. Um, but also sharing this information either in the podcast or um, in you today. And it gives folks an idea of um, those um, results as well. Before we go, we'd like to acknowledge the co-researchers on this study. They are Dr. Regine King, Dr. Ilian Ferrer, Dr. Liza Lorenzetti, Dr. David Est, Dr. Yahya Al-Lahib, and Dr. Amir Jamal. We'd also like to encourage you to visit the webpage of the Anti-Black Racism Task Force, which is co-chaired by Dr. Duhaney. They recently published an action plan, which you'll find there. You can find a link in the description of this episode. And that's it for another pod. Until next time, take care.